As a performer, your body is there. Hi, I'm Mad Kate, and you're listening to Sweat. Sex, work, extraction, arts, theatrics. Sweat is a series of conversations about performance and performativity of the sexual and sexualized body at work, where work is defined as the labor of survival, the labor of care, creativity, and capital A, art. How exactly do we define our work, and how does that work entangle and circumscribe our sexual identities, our creative lives, and the ways in which we provide care? How do we perform both tasks and identities within the framework of that which we consider work? My hope is these conversations are a means to speak between intersectional bodies by anchoring in common space as sexualized bodies, as working bodies, as artistic bodies, and as performative bodies. I chose something that I knew it was not going to sell. I chose performance, I chose intervention, I chose provocation. And who is going to buy my provocation? The same people I'm confronting, how are they going to pay me? Today, I'll be sharing a conversation I had with Vabene Alekim Fiatsi, also known as Crazinist Artist, a multidisciplinary artist and founder of Perfo Craze International Artist Residency in Kamasi, Ghana. I spoke to Crazinist Artist during my stay at the residency in March 2021. I like to reclaim languages that demonize me. I claim blackness is... It's, it's not our, our language. Blackness is, is a racial language, and I, I claim it, so I'm a black queer person. Um, the same way I'm reclaiming also any language that demonizes me or criminalizes me. Craziness artist pronoun is shit, she, he, it, and if not shit, then she. Through ritual, performance, and installation, Crazinist Artist employs Shit's own gender-fluid body as a thought-provoking tool to confront issues such as disenfranchisement, social justice, violence, internalized oppression, anti-blackness, queerness, social stigma, and its consequences for marginalized groups or individuals. I began by asking Crazinist Artist when Shit first understood herself to be an artist. For me, I came into art as an agency, not just because I studied art. Um, so I came to the university in 2010 to learn to study painting. And I think it was during this period that I discovered my own agency and questioning the things that I felt like I had no chance, I had no opportunity to be able to raise questions on those things, and specifically questions on identity crisis. Um, gender, racial, ethnicity, all forms of identity were like, I was, I was really curious about what brings about all, all these identities and how the question of identity and it politics leads to vulnerability um, and violence. So while studying painting, I just begin to shift away from, from the canvas because it became too flat and too boring for me. And to confront my own identities, I think I need to I need to put myself into characters, and so it was more revolutionary transitions, both from religious perspective to social identity. As a preacher, all of a sudden becoming an anti-Christian and also anti-Christ, because I consider myself, even though anti-Christ has been really used as a negated language. I like to reclaim languages that demonize me. I claim blackness is, 
it's it's not our our language. Blackness is is a racial language, and I, I claim it. So I'm black queer person. Um, the same way I'm reclaiming also any language that demonizes me or criminalizes me. So that agency of confrontation and intervention and inserting myself into the situations that I want to really um, dig into became the entry point into my practice. I, I think like the name Craziness Artist was already a reclamation like two years before even my transitions begin to happen. Um, and that happened around, I think, by just my first year in the university. I, of course, in, in our school, you are learning art history and other stuff, presentations are happening. But I feel like so many information at the time, and it was really like academic shocking to, from the background we're coming from into, because we were not prepared ahead of time. In, it's like in a basic school, in the high school, you have no knowledge on what art is. You have no knowledge on contemporary art practice. You, you have no knowledge about what is happening in terms of the art world. And then all of a sudden, you, you I landed in university and being bombarded with all this information and knowing that I could even use art as a language, as a weapon to fight for my own self. I wasn't looking at my completion of the university to validate me as an artist. Yeah. So even if I became a dropout in school, I should be able to call myself an artist. Mm -hmm. So to be crazy means extreme passion for something. Yeah. So craziness artist is extremely passionate about using the language of art. And then I added the artist to be able to create that paradox where people who may say, who may try to, to claim authorship of, of validating people as artists would say, oh, craziness artist is not an artist. But you have already mentioned prior to the, to your conclusion that craziness artist. Mm -hmm. So like I was just playing with this word and this kind of language. Craziness artist has been speaking publicly for a long time. Raised as a Christian out of university, craziness artist began preaching the gospel, traveling from church to church, while she was also employed full-time as a high school teacher. Of course, Christianity was spread to Ghana by missionaries and often used as a justification for colonization. And many Ghanaians have grown up without being able to learn about traditional beliefs. The Christian faith continues to have a hold on Ghana as a nation, where today the LGBTQIA community is fighting for their right simply to exist, and Parliament is actively attempting to make queer life illegal. As Vabene came into her identity as a trans person and as artist, she left the Christian church and left her whole life behind. We spoke about whether she had viewed preaching as a performative act, and this led us into talking about how to define performance, performativity, and the theater. No, at that time, I wouldn't say I, I conceptualized what I was doing as an art. Mm. Yeah, I just knew I had a mission. And I think I just worked uh, with agency. At that time, I was dealing with so many other agencies. Mm -hmm. um, and perhaps becoming an artist explained that I needed a new a new platform to really do the things I was doing as a preacher. Right. Um, and I needed to move out of those colonial colonial dimensions. Um, and and because I wanted I needed to understand whatever platform I'm using that I understand it, not because it has been given to me. You know, so I felt like Christianity was just presented to me. But now I'm exploring my own artistic languages. 
you know, so not just because of the academic knowledge, but also because I'm putting my life in it. So yes, yeah, so like before, before the art school, I wouldn't say I considered myself as an artist in terms of the things I was doing. But now if I look back, I can say they were a form of art, you know, they were very performative. They were like, it's a, yeah, religion is, is, is another art in Israel. Every kind of religion I can say is an artistic, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it embodies a lot of artistic disciplines, you know, from even visual arts to spoken words, to yeah. incantations, to performances, to poetry. <laughs> the Bible is full of a lot of poetry. Um, even prayer is performance, like the way you pray. Maybe you should go to the churches in Ghana and see and witness prayers. Like everything that happens in the church is prayer performance. How do you define it as performative? Performance is an attitude. Like I do say performance and attitude and performing art. So like, okay, let me just come to the way I, I look at performance and also performing something. Performing something is, is more about acting it, you know. Um, performance is an attitude that is more embodied. It becomes a kind of belief. And this is why also Judith Butler would, would reference gender as a perform, being perform, performative, you know. So it's not perform like I wouldn't say it's performing, but it's performative. In the, and this is why Judith Butler was referring to, to it this way, or this why I would actually relate to what they were saying at this time that is performative in the sense that it's an embodiment. If I look at it as a distinction between that and and performing, mm -hmm. then I would say it's performance, but not performing it. Like performing, in terms of performing art and performance, one is an attitude, one is more of an action. Yeah, so the church believes in those things and they live it as life. So it's not just, it's not a theater. So performing can have to relate more to theater. Yeah. Where you know this action may have no meaning to you, but, okay. but it's, it's, it's an employment, it's an engagement. And that's how I look at performing something. Mm -hmm. But in terms of performance, it's more of, it's avant-garde, it's, it's, it's protestant, it's, it's a belief, it's an embodiment. This is how I look at performance in itself. And, and that's why I, I'm also um, curious to know how people combine theater and performance. You know, yeah, people coming from the field of theater, people coming from the field of performing art, and then they are into performance arts, you know, how they, how they are able to create this sync or to, to synchronize this, um, these elements. So now let's go back to the church. So like for the, for me, the church is that you pray and you believe that your prayer is being heard. It's different from when somebody is in a theater hall and acting the position of a pastor, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. This prayer is not something that a person is really looking forward to, to God to even answer. So this is like performing it. But performance becomes an attitude. So this, so when you are in a theater, you can play a position where you can, you can, you can, you can even play with the intelligence of God. Like you can pray and say, Oh God, if you are so there, 
um, may you kill my father right now. You, you don't really mean it. You don't want God to kill your father. Right. But in, in, in theater, you have this permission <laughs> to do this. Yeah. And this is why also there were men who were acting the position of women. It's not that they believe that they want to become trans. It's not that they believe that they can be women. It's not, they have nothing to do with, they have no position for women. It's, it's, it's just that they know that I can act it and it doesn't affect me, you know. It's interesting that you bring that up because I've thought about it a lot and yeah. how this tradition of, like, <laughs> is that drag or what is <laughs> exactly, that? <laughs> exactly, you know. And, 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 and so you can see how a transphobic person, you know, can also cross-dress in a theater. You can be homophobic and act homosexuality in a theater. Indeed. Yeah, because that is a performing thing. But when it comes to performance, that's why I call it protestant. You know, as a trans person, you exhibit transness in, in, in performance. It's about your beliefs. It's about, it's about, it's about your being. It's mm. about your spirit. So this is the difference, I would say, when it comes to the church and when it comes to outside the church, other things happening. So in the church, I would say that it was really a performance. People really believe in it. I believed in everything that I did in the church. I wasn't just doing it for, for doing sake. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. the prayers I prayed, I believe in them. When I was a child, I used to perform the the communion mm -hmm. by helping the pastor mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like this is the blood of god yeah, exactly. shed for you mm -hmm. da, da, da. <laughs> and there was a moment when i was a teenager and mm -hmm. i didn't believe you were doing it you were acting it you were not living it yes. yeah did you did, did no did you have I, a moment like this i think then? it was just that moment that i had to break up but before then like i believe in everything yeah i just feel like i i needed to be honest to myself than than pleasing people you know yeah. Yeah. And and I love that. I, I, I like I love not necessarily just to please people around me, but to be honest to myself. Yeah, so that is performance and performing. Like like one is so honest, like so trusting. Another one is so much of acting, you know. And like we just mentioned the the English and, and other many other cultures would act these traditions, take women's role. And they don't really have, they have nothing even to offer womanhood, you know. I would love to really explore my own fluidity and gender identity and vulnerability than just thinking because I'm an activist, I can go and pick some woman story and come and create story and think of, um, yeah, I can go to the, some trans community and look for trans people and talk about trans people. Um, as a cis or as a hetero or as a something mm -hmm. without even understanding what it feels like to be that vulnerable. I hate this exploitation. And this is what the performing does to the stage where men would... Perhaps that was not the intention, you know? The intention is... I think it was also just because women never had a position in, in society. Mm -hmm. women, women were not just even considered human beings, mm -hmm. you know? So let us play the role of these people because we cannot have them eat with us and dine with us. It's about exclusion. Yeah. Yeah, it's about exclusion. So perhaps it's not about exploiting womanhood or exploiting women in general. But it's about that exclusion.
similar to the way that performance can be spoken of as performing an identity, performing a role, or performativity, the words work, labor, career, and job are probably all understood a little bit differently from each other as well. And the way each of us individuals understands those terms can also be different. I asked Crazynist artist about when shit started working, and Crazynist artist answered by beginning from the end. I think I rather stop working long ago. You stopped working. Yeah, mm-hmm. I stopped working and I'm just leaving it. So <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Uh, maybe I'm leaving as a work, but I'm not working. Yeah, which is which I think is very complex to explain. But then I was working before I came to the university. Right. So I was a professional teacher. I was on salary. I I was on payroll. Uh, yeah, I know monthly I have this coming in and, and stuff. That was my first job, you know. Um, and I, and for for Christianity, it wasn't a work. I was leaving it. Okay, you didn't consider it a work, no. even though it was it was sustaining you, I guess. Like it was no. allowing you to yeah yeah it was buy yeah. food and no Christianity and... actually for in Christ with my Christian life as a preacher and a rest, I was not on salary on anything so. He didn't offer me anything economically. Yeah, so I had wow. my profession, and so I was in my profession, and I have my salary, so I don't need to depend on the church. <laughs> I don't need wow. the church for anything, actually. Wow. Yeah, so, and this is why I wasn't committed to one church. I was, I preached in different, different churches. So for me, it was more about the word. It was more about the gospel. Yeah, so when I mentioned that I have stopped teach, I have stopped working, and now living as a work, Maybe that will make sense that after this period, when I was teaching, that was when I was working. I was working as a teacher, as a teacher, yeah. and getting a salary yeah. to survive. Yeah. But after this point, I, I think I stopped working, and I'm just a survivor, and I'm just living as a work. So, um, did you have to? So after you quit teaching, did you have to take other jobs to? Mm-hmm. To make your art happen, to fund your art. How did you fund your art? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I think. I think if I if I still if I'm still a Christian, then I should be talking about miracles, you know. <laughs> but then, but then of course, like, so that is why maybe also I use a language that's, and then I became a survivor, and I was living as a work. Not many, not many people could quit their job, like I did, knowing that because I didn't come into art imagining i'll have a fee from art any day right i never even dreamt of it i've never tested tested it and tested it before so i don't even know how it's going to be like like i said it was an agency it was revolution so for me that's what i wanted to follow um so when i quit teaching i was literally um selling on the street you've been to the market already you've seen people carrying water i was doing that um, and so that is what I mentioned, survivor. So that's why I needed to survive. So I wasn't doing this as a job. It wasn't, ah, interesting. So yeah. you didn't consider that? No, I didn't consider that as a job. It was like a necessity or it was a... It, you know, when you go for hunting, you know, let's go back when we go back into prehistoric time. And you need to survive. And you need to go and look for wild fruits. You need to go and look for animals and eat. It is not a job. You're surviving. You know, because you're not hunting for salary. You're not hunting for pay. 
you're hunting to survive. Right. Yeah. So you are not. It's not. I don't see it as a job. So for you, job is something that's more like a career. Like it's... yeah, a job is for me a job. In this sense, is yeah, it's something like a career, something that you need the wages, you know, some payment, some salary, wages, and and it's. I think it's complex than I'm even mentioning. Yeah, so. <clears throat> It's something that you definitely hope for. As an artist, or no, as a as a human being. Yeah. Okay. You know, so you are not just you are not just doing it for living or survival. You are doing it for other acquisitions. So this is why you build from your salary. You buy cars from your salary. Uh, but when you are doing hunting, you are not imagining building from hunting. You are not imagining. Um, um, you are not imagining buying car from hunting. Mm-hmm. You are hunting to survive because mm-hmm. you don't, you are not hunting to even sell it, you know. But when you begin to hunt to to sell, then maybe you are going into job. Maybe you are going to professions. Maybe you are going to something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so that's why I reference uh, prehistoric period. Okay. So for me, when I was selling this water, it's like looking on the ground for food to eat. It's like just searching the wilds to get some fruits to, to eat. Because while somebody is going to the bush to look for fruits to pluck and eat, this is where I can get my fruits. Right. You know, so... Right. Yeah, so like, so, so, so for me, it was like surviving. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a job. Um, and I knew, and I knew I wouldn't do it forever. Yeah. I knew something will shift. What shifted? Yeah, I know something will shift, but I just don't know what it is going to what what is going to shift. It's into a very a very big enterprise, but that was not my aim. Right. I just needed to be alive and do the things I wanted to do. Right. So if I can go and sell water and get some money to eat, some food, and then I come back to my studio to be able to do the things I do, I'm okay. Yes. Yeah. So like, perhaps I would have continued my life this way if nothing even happened, and I'll be satisfied. With any labor we do, one might say that there's at least two parts. There's survival in the capitalist economy, which may relate primarily to our physical health or largely to our physical health. But there's also how much we love and feel passionate about the work that we do. And this may relate more to our mental health. If your work is art and art is your labor of love, does taking money for art make your relationship to your art different? And does it change the work itself? It just depends on the context and depend on even where you are getting the money from. <laughs> That's one necessary evil in our life as artists, you know, where you are even funded by institutions that, the same institutions that you are even confronting, they, they still give you the funding. <laughs> I mean, of course. It's like, in some ways, what institution isn't uh, kind of... Uh, culpable, right? Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so it's a whole paradox, you know. You and I are here because of my first salary. Perhaps. As an artist. As an artist and mm-hmm. as human beings, actually. You and I are here. 800 Swiss francs, if I can remember very well. 800 Swiss francs um, as my first salary. And then I rented two rooms um, in the house here. I rented these two rooms. The money I got from went straight into the hands of the landlady. 
And then I told my partner, I just hope that in this, in one year, these people will move from this house and I take the whole house. And she was like, for what? <laughs> Where are you going to get money to take the whole house? That's the first question. Secondly, why do you need a whole house? We don't need, we don't need more than two rooms. <laughs> But you knew, but I knew you, had I, a, you had I, a your vision. Yeah, I had my vision. That's why mine, I think, is just so complex because if it is for job, if it is for work, if it is for for salary, I wouldn't do art. Sincerely, I wouldn't do art. I wouldn't do art. If, if I would do art, I would do it as a part-time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think if you speak to many Ghanaians here, this is why how many Ghanaians are even practicing art. Over hundreds of people are graduating from the university every day mm-hmm. or every every year from the art school. Uh-huh. But the question is how many even remain practicing as artists, you know. Um, I think I would just become an opportunist. Um, and that doesn't suggest that artists who are working are opportunists. In my, in my own feeling, I know if I wanted a job, I wouldn't do art. So I'll do art when I think, oh, there's some chance here for artists. Then, then I'm an artist. After that chance, I am just doing my own style. So I'll just sneak in when I see some doors open. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. If I was painting, I knew I have money. Okay, but you didn't want to do this. Yeah, if I was painting, I knew I, I would sell. Even if I don't sell it in the museums and galleries, I can sell to ordinary people at a cheap price and survive with it. Yeah. Yeah, because painting, ordinary ordinary Ghanaians would want to buy painting, but okay, maybe like 50 Ghana cities. And of course, it depends on how much I can paint in a month. I would paint and paint and paint and paint. And at least I, I, I would survive with painting, you know. But I chose something that I knew it was not going to sell. I chose performance. I chose intervention. I chose provocation. Right. And who is going to buy my provocation? The same people I'm confronting, how are they going to pay me for <laughs> How on every Ghana government going to pay me for me to promote LGBTQ conversations? You know? Yeah. And and I chose it. So I chose it. So this is why I say I'm a job. So I chose it just as a life. And I chose it. Yeah. Whatever happens, I don't care. And I never dreamt that I was going to perform in any international space. And they would tell me that take this salary for your performance. As the founder of Profocre's International Artist Residency and as an activist and as a performing artist herself, craziness artist has to make choices about how to work, what and when to consume, when to work and which work to take. It's not easy to get a grant from Ghana. Yeah. From Ghana. There's, it's, it's so complicated to come from this part of the world and be getting financial, like... No, like working for institutions, I'm just tired of it. Yeah. And so I wouldn't want artists to do this. I want whatever artists do should be appreciated by the institution, but not working for the institution. Yeah. You know, like institutions should be chasing after artists, not, not artists chasing after institution and then institutions take advantage of artists. Because I also know my agency, I don't spend money. No, I don't remember last time I even bought something for myself. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think recently my partner went to town and bought me this nice brazier. But I don't remember last time I went, but I bought brazier for my, my niece. You know, I went to town, I took my niece to town. I made a whole budget. I bought them braziers, panties and everything. But I don't remember last time I bought it for myself. So I have to make choices to survive. 
And those choices is to be hard on yourself mm. and deny yourself a lot of pleasure. Yeah, you, you have to deny yourself a lot of pleasure. This is also again why I said I'm just a whack because I I am I I feel like I'm no longer a human being somehow. For many years now, yeah, I've denied myself so many things, so many things, so many things, so, so many things. How are you taking care of yourself? Yeah, I watch horror movies. <laughs> 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 That's the simple as I can give. Well, even today, I was processing a lot of things. Like, am I really mentally sound? And if I am, what makes me think I'm mentally sound? And if it truly, truly, truly I am, how have I achieved that? So when it comes to the working body and to survive, and especially as artists, I really, I really empathize with all artists across the globe. I really do. Of course, I'm leaving it as a choice. I'm leaving it as a decision, as a revolution, as a protest. But I wouldn't want people to leave it I wouldn't want people to go through it this way. I wish that artists would would have all the ones and still have their life and still live and still enjoy. They don't need to 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 bend their bodies as fuel to survive. You just heard from Vabene Elikimfiatsi, also known as craziness artist, performance artist, and activist, whom I had the pleasure of interviewing in March 2021 at Craze International Artist Residency in Kumasi, Ghana. PR has brought artists from all over the world. To find out more about how you can apply and more about craziness artist's work, you can visit her at www.crazinessartist.com www.crazinistartist.com You've been listening to Sweat, Sex, Work, Extraction, Art, Theatrics, a podcast about performance and performativity of the sexual and sexualized body at work. Sweat was produced by myself, Mad Kate. The theme music was composed by me and features the voice of performer and actress Lori Baldwin. The completion of this project was supported by the German publishing rights organization, GEMA. If you liked this podcast, please leave us a positive review wherever you listen and mention it to your friends. Thanks so much. Until next time.